are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day are listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, multimedia journalist, and a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Now, for today's show, what are we discussing? Well, the D-backs made a splash over the weekend. Now, it wasn't Rangers or Mariners-level splash, but they acquired Jordan Luplo over the weekend. So we're going to break down that trade and discuss the type of player that Jordan Luplo is. And then I got a really fun topic for y'all. Who should be in the MLB Hall of Fame? I'm going to give my criteria. If I was a voter in terms of the controversial players who are on their final year of the ballot, so Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, etc., we're going to be talking about those guys. And then the big four of those guys, Clemens, Bonds, Schilling, and Sosa, I will be telling you if I would put them in or out of the MLB Hall of Fame. So we got a jam-packed pod to do today. But before we get into that, Thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be doing this podcast without you, the listener, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I can do this podcast for you. Thank you. But now let's jump into the podcast of Lockdown Diamondbacks. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Dimebacks podcast. It's been a busy MLB offseason to start. We've seen the Rangers, Mariners, the Blue Jays all make big splashes. The Mets, we can't forget, of course, but the team who had the biggest splash over the weekend, the D-backs, of course, jokingly, but they did acquire outfielder Jordan Luplo for, from the Tampa Bay Rays for infield prospect Ronnie Simon and the designator right-hander, they designated, they, excuse me, they designated right-hander Brett DeGauss for assignment to open up space on the 40 man. I believe we said his stock was down last week on the pod. So look at that. We said a stock is down and now he's being cut by the D-backs to make room for Jordan Luplo. Now, what kind of player is Jordan Luplo? Well, he's not an everyday player, I'll tell you that, because this is someone who's never played a full season baseball. It's not because of injuries. It's because he's been a platoon guy throughout his career, mostly playing against southpaw pitchers. He's never had more than 261 plate appearances in any given season. This is someone who's never had a 150-game season in his career. He's never been an everyday player, but he does crush it against southpaws. He only has a 245 average, but a 360 OBP, a 539 slugging, that is nothing to sneeze at. And you combine that with a 14.3% walk percentage and 23 home runs and 378 plate appearances against lefties, that's more than enough to tell you. This guy is damn good when he goes against southpaws, but when you look at his splits against righties, not exactly the same story. 
205 average, 291 OBP, and a 369 slugging. The dude has to play against lefties because he hasn't been good against righties in his career, and that's in 358 plate appearances. So just slightly less than uh, what he does against lefties, just slightly less opportunities than what he does against lefties. But in 2021, the strange thing about Jordan Luplo is his splits were reversed. I just mentioned how he's been a great guy in his career against lefties versus righties. But in 2021, he was better against righties than lefties, which was very surprising. 247 average and 893 OPS against righties, 167 average and 690 OPS against the lefties. So it makes me wonder, which player are the D-backs getting? Are they getting the guy that's better against lefties than righties? Is that the player the D-backs wanted? I'm not I'm not sure who did the who the D-backs want. Did they want the outfielder, the right-handed outfielder better against righties or did they want the right-handed outfielder better against the lefties or do they think maybe if we give him a full-time role the numbers will just even out? I'm not too sure. We'll see obviously when the season comes up, but I wonder what the D-backs had envisioned for him as his future with this team, his future role with this team, but none of his splits matter if he doesn't play like he did in 2019 because this guy in 2019 had his best season yet. 2019, he played 85 games, not even a full season, but in 85 games, a 276 average, 923 OPS, 15 home runs. The dude was locked in in 2019. It was the only season in his career with an OPS above 800. 2021 was only the second season in his career where he where he even cracked 700 OPS. So this is someone who has not really had a high ceiling, a high upside throughout his career outside of 2021. Or excuse me, outside 2019. 2021 was the only other season where you're like, all right, this guy is uh better than mediocre i guess he's a solid outfielder but he's still not great 2019 showed you maybe this guy could be great in a full-time role but we haven't really seen that outside of 2019 2021 was at least a solid campaign for him but outside of his platoon he is great at getting on base career 12.1 percent walk percent so if he does get in the lineup more than those 85 games in 2019 you at least know he's not going to kill you at the plate strong discipline and the guy who knows how to get on base and he does have some pop to that bat as well and when you look at the outfield situation right now for the d-backs it's a lot of lefty at bats david peralta Ketel Marte is a switch hitter, but he he's pretty good as a lefty at bat. Josh Rojas, Paven Smith, Jake McCarthy, Dalton Varsho. You got Stuart Fairchild too. He's a righty. But those other five guys I just mentioned, all lefties. And Rojas, Marte, Varsho, those are the only three with an OPS above 750 against Southpaw pitchers. Those three are the least likely to be everyday outfielders for this team probably next season. In terms of their oh, in, in terms of their future career long-term in Major League Baseball. I don't think Dalton Varsho for his career is going to be an outfielder. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. We'll see if the D-backs, you know, stick with Carson Kelly and just play Dalton Varsho elsewhere. If that's true, Dalton Varsho will be an outfielder for the rest of his career. Ketel Marte, I think Ketel Marte is going to be moving back to second base pretty soon. And Josh Rojas, he can play corner outfield, but I like him as second base and shortstop as well. So really, when you look at the outfield, it's going to be a Jake McCarthy, a Stuart Fairchild, a Paven Smith, a David Peralta. Those guys weren't great against lefties this past season. So that's where Jordan Luplo could come in if he gets back to his career marks. If he if it's more 2021 Jordan Luplo, then the D-backs are going to continue to have problems against lefty pitchers with 
their outfield at bats with the way it's currently constructed unless they're playing Ketel Marte and Dalton Varsho in the outfield. They're playing David Peralta, Haven Smith, and Jordan Luplo in the outfield. Then you're going to need Jordan Luplo to really work those cross matchups and really attack those southpaw pitchers. So I'm very curious to see what kind of player Jordan Luplo is. Is he really the guy that we've seen throughout his career that can't attack those cross matchups and really go after lefties? Or is 2021 a trend for Jordan Luplo and not an outlier? And he's actually going to be better against righties as opposed to lefties as his career moves on. Maybe the book was out on Jordan Luplo and, and lefties started attacking him differently as opposed to righties. I don't know what the case was, but the dude was better against righties than lefties in 2021. And overall, when I just look at this Jordan Luplo move, it's not a needle mover, of course. I don't think it was a huge splash. It's not a blockbuster deal, but it is a good move, a positive move for this D-backs team that is inept, devoid of talent, that could always use more talent. So adding Jordan Luplo doesn't hurt the team. It helps them in the short-term and long-term potential of this team. Uh, we'll see if he's an everyday player. This is not a move that, you know, I'm like, whoa, look at the D-backs making moves this offseason. It's a nice little move. It's a nice little footnote over the weekend of offseason deals and flurries of moves. But overall, good move for the D-backs, solid move for the D-backs, but not something I'm throwing my hands up in the air and going like, wow, singing the praises of the D-backs. No, we're not singing the praises today. We're respecting the D-backs. We're happy they made this move, but this is not a game-changing move in terms of the playoff race. So right now, we're, we're cool on the Jordan Luplo move, and we'll come back and revisit this segment later in the season when we know what kind of player, more of what kind of player Jordan Luplo is in the D-backs uniform. Now, we'll talk about that criteria for the MLB Hall of Fame, but this episode is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle. DirecTV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place. The best part? There's no annual contract, so stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Hope you guys didn't hear that little mini burp I just had. That would be pretty disgusting, but let's get back into the podcast and let's discuss my criteria for the MLB Hall of Fame. I don't think this will get controversial, but we'll see. If you guys disagree, let me know on Twitter at CreatorThomas24. Let me know your thoughts if you think guys like Kurt Schilling who have controversial, you know, off-field stuff with his comments if you think a guy like that if you think he's way too disgusting invoke the character clause he shouldn't be in the hall of fame you let me know if the steroid users barry bonds roger clemens if you don't think they should be in the hall of fame just let me know on twitter but let's first set the stage before we really get into the meat and potatoes of this discussion so there are 17 holdovers from last season who got at least 5% of votes or better, plus 13 newcomers. I'm going to try to rattle off the ballot real quick. It's 30 players deep, but Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Scott Rowland, Omar Vizquel, Billy Wagner, Todd Helton, Gary Sheffield, Andrew Jones, Jeff Kent, Manny Ramirez, Sammy Sosa, Andy Pettit, Mark Burley, Tori Hunter, Bobby Brayer, Tim Hudson, A-Rod, Big Poppy, Marcus Sherrod, Jimmy Rollins, Carl Crawford, Jake Peavy, Justin Morneau, Prince Fielder, Joe Nathan, Tim Lincecum, Jonathan Papelbon, A.J. Persinski, and Ryan Howard. I definitely butchered AJ Brzezinski a little bit but those are the 13 guys on this year's ballot and when you look at 2021 no player 
even cracked 75%. So no player was inducted in the Hall of Fame last season. The first time no player has been inducted since 2013. And if you look at it from 2014 to 2020, at least two players every year was inducted to the Hall of Fame, which was actually an MLB record, sending 22 players to Cooperstown. Wow, but not in 2013 and not in 2021. And if you look at last year, Kurt Schilling was the top vote getter with 71.1% of the votes. And he will be one of four players on the final year of the ballot for this upcoming uh, for this upcoming voting cycle. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, and Sammy Sosa, of course, all have make or break years. Sammy Sosa coming off a 17-vote season last year. Kurt Schilling, 71.1%. Once again, the highest vote getter last season, so he might have the strongest case. And then Bonds and Clemens both were at 61% last year, right around that. So those three, at least seem like they have a, a, a potential to make it this season, while Sammy Sosa, that's a pretty big gap for that guy to climb. But let's start with the first question as to whether those four should be Hall of Famers. And this question mostly pertains to Kurt Schilling, but you could apply it to the other three if you feel like it's necessary. Should the character clause keep Kurt Schilling out of the MLB Hall of Fame? That is the question everyone has when it comes to Kurt Schilling and whether or not he should be in because they believe, a lot of people believe, he shouldn't be in because written into the criteria for the MLB Hall of Fame, it says this, voting shall be based upon the player's record, playing ability, integrity, sportsmanship, character, and contributions to the team on which the player played. So a lot of people look at that word character and they say, well, I'm not going to get me personally. I'm not going to get into all the things that Kurt Schilling has done, because there are a lot of things he said over the last few years that are pretty gross and things that I definitely don't align with. But does that mean when you look at the criteria, when you look at that word character, does that apply to Kurt Schilling in this case? It does apply in the sense that I don't like a Kurt Schilling character, but I don't like his character. I don't like his ethics or politics. But does that mean it should keep him out of the Hall of Fame? Or is his character bad enough where you think this guy should not be in the Hall of Fame with so many other guys who are in the Hall of Fame who might be deemed good characters or good clubhouse guys? Because remember, not every good clubhouse guy is in Major League Baseball. And you can't really find too many teammates of Kurt Schilling who did not like him. I think the character clause, too, is more being evaluated through the prism of their career. I think when the MLB wrote this little criteria and they put the word character, I think it was his character through his playing career and not exactly, you know, 15 years after he's retired, what are his views now? I think it's about his character when he was playing. Was he considered a dirty player when he was playing? Was he a bigot to other players and teammates while he was playing on the diamond? Those are the questions I have. Maybe internally he was still. He probably still held all these beliefs he held now back then, but you can't really find too many comments of him uh, saying what he says now back when he was playing. So because of that, it, it's hard to enact this character clause to Kurt Schilling. Don't get me wrong. He's a terrible person, but I, it didn't seem like he was a terrible person at the time he was playing, at least our perception of him. We didn't feel the way we feel about Kurt Schilling now back when he was a player. So it's hard for me to think that that guy should be kept out of the Hall of Fame, especially when you consider some of the guys that are in the Hall of Fame. There are racist people, known racist people in the Hall of Fame. There are people who have other questionable moral, uh, you know, a questionable moral compass and things of that nature. Baseball's first commissioner, 
Kennesaw Mount Landis. He upheld the color line in baseball and was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1944. He kept baseball segregated and he got inducted into the MLB Hall of Fame. Literally was okay with segregation. And we haven't retroactively taken him out of the Hall of Fame. Cap Hansen, 1939 inductee, refused to play exhibition games with black players, and he is in the Hall of Fame. We have a commissioner who said segregation is okay, and we have a player who said, I refuse to share the diamond with any black players, and those two guys are in the Hall of Fame. So before, so that that's just my reasoning when it comes to Kurt Schilling and whether the character clause should be invoked. I haven't even said yet whether I think he should or should not be, but in terms of the character clause, I think it's more applied to guys when they were actually playing and whether they were a bad person when they were playing. And plus, there are actually bad people in the Hall of Fame right now and they haven't been taken out, so it's hard to keep Kurt Schilling out of the Hall of Fame too. But I have not given my reason or I have not given my answer yet as to whether Kurt Schilling should or should not be in the Hall of Fame. We'll save that for segment number three when we wrap up. And then the next question that I have, should steroid users be in the Hall of Fame? Of course, a hot topic question, a question that everyone has during this time of the year when they see Barry Bonds. Now they're going to see A-Rod and Big Poppy on the ballot. It's going to be a question for a lot of voters. Should steroid users be in the Hall of Fame or suspected steroid users? Because a lot of these guys on the ballot, I think pretty much all of them, never never were suspended. They might have tested positive, but they were never suspended for steroids. So should they be in the Hall of Fame? Yes or no? Well, this is what I have to say. There are definitely steroid users already in the Hall of Fame. First of all, let's first start there. Jeff Bagwell, Jeff Bagwell has admitted to using, okay, I'm going to butcher this word. I'm going to just sound it out. I'm sorry if I sound silly. Dion. I don't even know if that came out correct. I don't even know if I was speaking English, but that is the anabolic steroid, which Bagwell admitted to using, which is banned as of today. Not when Bagwell was playing, but it's banned as of today. And there has been a good amount of players who have been known to use that because it was a steroid that was legal back in the day. So why not use it? My overall feeling when it comes to whether steroid users should be in the Hall of Fame, one, there's already steroid users in the Hall of Fame. And number two, I really don't care about anyone who tested positive for steroids prior to the Mitchell report in 2007. There were guys like a Barry Bonds who allegedly tested positive or Sammy Sosa. Look, I don't care if they did test positive. I think we all know that those guys did steroids, but it was during a time where steroids were illegal in baseball. They weren't even testing it. And if you did get tested and you tested positive up until like 2004, there were no repercussions, no penalties. So of course you were going to do it. So for me, when I look at a game with players, when I look at a a sport of baseball whose greatest era was the steroid era, that was the peak of baseball. The most popular time for baseball is when players are using steroids. The sport benefited off players using steroids, and now they don't want to put those players into the Hall of Fame. It just doesn't make sense to me. So I think I would put most steroid users in the Hall of Fame. So in the third segment, I'll tell you which of those steroid users I might or might not put in the Hall of Fame. I don't want to give my answer right now. But overall, should the character clause be invoked when you're looking at MLB Hall of Fame candidates? Sure. But it should be during their 
during when they were playing, during their playing career, and not exactly, you know, 15 years after. And also, should steroid users be in the Hall of Fame? Well, there are already steroid users in the Hall of Fame. Like, there's already bad guys who that character clause could apply to in the Hall of Fame. And also, I just don't care about anyone who's tested positive for steroids prior to that Mitchell report. I care if you've tested positive and were suspended after 2007. After 2007, when MLB really started their crackdown and they started uh, suspending guys, and you were still doing steroids, then I think you were an idiot and you deserve to be nowhere near the Hall of Fame. But prior to 2007, that Mitchell report, which baseball doesn't even care if you were on it, then because of that, I think you should probably still be in the Hall of Fame. So we'll get into who or who shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame in segment number three. But that's kind of my rationale for this Hall of Fame voting when you look at those four controversial players for the MLB Hall of Fame. Now, I'll get, uh, I think I already told you, but now I will tell you who or who should not be in the MLB Hall of Fame out of those four players. But first, I need to talk to you guys about Built Bar because this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. It's here, the best Monday of the year, Cyber Monday, and Built.com is the place to aim your mouse. Get at least 20% off everything delicious and healthy. That's 20% off site-wide and even bigger discounts on Built Boost, Broth, and Built Swag. A brand new Built Bar flavor has landed just in time for Cyber Monday, Caramel Almond Delight, and it delivers everything it promises. Caramelized chocolate, check. Almonds, check. Delightful double check. Be sure to get yours before they're gone. Go to Built Bar. Com, which is actually just built.com for these incredibly new tasting bars and 20% off everything. If you head to built.com today, head to built.com, enter code LOCK20 before it's too late. Remember, built.com, promo code LOCK20 to get 20% off everything at built.com. All right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast and let's discuss who or who should not be in the Hall of Fame out of the four guys who have their final year of eligibility on the ballot. Mm-mm-mm. It's going to be tough. Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Sammy Sosa. Which of those guys should or shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame based off the rationale I gave in segment number two? Well, I first want to start with Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds had a 966 OPS. 411 home runs and 445 steals from 1986 through 1998. This was even before he was suspected of using steroids. During that time, he won three NL MVPs and eight Gold Glove awards. So basically, before he was even suspected of using steroids, you could have said Barry Bonds is what top 10, top five player all time. Barry Bonds was one of the greatest players ever even before being suspected of steroids. So that right there should tell you he should be in. But outside of that, you could throw the whole second half of his career away if you believe it was tainted. I don't care because the dude's first half was good enough to get in the Hall of Fame. But he was convicted of perjury for lying about steroid use, but he did appeal and he won that case in court because of a mistrial. They couldn't come to a unanimous decision. So even though he was convicted of steroid use technically in court, he got that overturned. So we can't hold that against him. And he also allegedly tested positive in 2000, right before that 73 
uh, home run month right before that. Uh, I, I think right before that final month where he hit 73 home runs. So he allegedly tested positive back in 2000. But remember, he wasn't even suspended for maybe testing positive, And he was one of the many people that was benefiting from these lack of punishments in the rules, the lack of testing in the rules. And baseball really seemed to have a nonchalant attitude toward steroids back in the day. So because of that, Barry Bonds, you are a Hall of Famer in my book and you would get my vote. Next up is Roger Clemens, who is basically the Barry Bonds of pitchers. Seven Cy Youngs, an MVP, been to multiple teams, won a couple of rings. The dude has done it all throughout his major league career. But if you had to push back against Roger Clemens and his uh, Hall of Fame candidacy, well, in 2012, his long-term, his longtime strength coach, Brian McNamee, testified in court that he injected Clemens with PEDs multiple times from 1998 to 2001. He was also named 82 times on the Mitchell Report, I believe more than anyone else. So Roger Clemens' name was smeared all over for using steroids. And guess what? I believe him, Roger Clemens, all these guys who I'm going to name today, I believe they all did steroids. But do I care? Once again, I do not care if any of them did steroids because it was a time when everyone did steroids and he was so much more dominant than everyone else like a Barry Bonds. Like I would feel bad not putting him in. I think it would be a bad look not to have arguably the greatest pitcher and slugger over the last 40 years in the Hall of Fame. So because of that, I'm putting them both in the Hall of Fame. Roger Clemens, you get a vote in my book. Next up, Kurt Schilling. Borderline Hall of Famer if you just took his regular season numbers, but I think his resume gets amplified by the postseason. Been to four World Series with three different teams, 206 ERA, 48 innings pitched, 11 earned runs, 10 walks, and 43 strikeouts in just the World Series. And he has a World Series MVP as well. He helped the D-backs win a World Series back in 2001. Six-time All-Star with three second-place Cy Young finishes in the regular season. Listen, he has disgusting opinions and views. I agree, but I will not enact the character clause on a Kurt Schilling. I don't think his words are enough for me to keep him out of the Hall of Fame. Now, if you told me this guy committed murder or was a pedophile or had a serious action that he did that I think that would be ir- irrecoverable. I don't even know the word I was trying to say. Uh, rehensible. Completely rehensible. Uh, uh, a situation that you couldn't turn an eye, I guess. A turn an eye against. I'm not saying I'm turning a blind eye to his words, but I hold actions a little bit more than words. Uh, again, I could just turn, I, I could just mute, you know, Kurt Schilling. I could block him on Twitter and never have to see what he says. If he committed an action, I think that'd be far worse. So because of that, I think Kurt Schilling is a Hall of Famer because of his play during his career and not what he said over the last, you know, six, seven years since retiring. And then last up, Sammy Sosa, who I think might be the toughest steroid guy to get in. I don't think he's getting in. Uh, It seems like his vote total has been way too low for some time now. But I think I'm putting Sammy Sosa in just because I want to stay consistent. I think he's probably been the guy that's benefited most from steroids because if you just look at his career, he was like a 30-30 guy. And then all of a sudden, he turns 29. And all of a sudden, he's hitting 50 to 65 home runs a season. It was just absolutely crazy. And he reportedly tested positive in 2003, too, which doesn't help his case. But again, a lot of players back then tested positive, And we're not keeping those guys out of the Hall of Fame. I guess we are trying to do with some of them. But there's so many dudes from the steroids 
steroid era and back in the day who did steroids. Like, I just don't care. He helped keep baseball alive. He was one of the faces and stars of baseball during the 90s, during the steroid era when baseball was the most popular. So because of that, baseball benefit off, benefited from Sammy Sosa. So he should benefit off baseball and he should be in the MLB Hall of Fame. Now that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Thank you once again for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be doing this podcast without you. So thank you. Come back tomorrow to listen to me with Yuli Sombrano of Locked on Rays to discuss that Jordan Luplo trade and discuss some of these off-season signings around the major leagues. But Go make your second listen of the day, Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. If you want great insight on sports betting, because those guys have been winning me money all season. And of course, it's the holiday season. So what So what do I need you to do for me? Well, I need you to just stay safe and stay healthy out there as best as you can. Deuces!